All right, college basketball fans, we're almost home. I'm Timmy Hall. He's evil, bald Colin. It's been a long weekend. Buddy, I had to watch the final four at a reception table. No TVs in the whole joint. By the time Duke and UNC was in the final four minutes, I had no fewer than 17 guys and gals hovering over my shoulder while my phone is propped up against a gin and tonic glass. The groom himself was right over my shoulder wanting to know what's going on in this game. No audio, just pure basketball watching on the technology that we have now where we can get it in the palm of our hands. But, man, how are you doing? How How is the no, watch? What do you I'm, think? I'm doing well. Uh, I think Kansas did a good job on their part for you. They kind of got ahead early, got close a little bit at times, and then kind of really handled it towards the end of the game. Uh, so they helped you out at least in that aspect. So you really were only trying to find a way to watch the UNC Duke game when it got close. I would say I was trying to watch as much of it as I could, but but you didn't, I, you didn't feel the pressure to No, because when I saw Kansas, you know, by the time, you know, the, the wedding, the wedding ceremony started at five o'clock central time and it tipped at five Oh nine. And my father was actually officiating this wedding. I think I told you my cousin Oh, wow. Asked him to do it. They become pretty close here with the stuff with my dad's parents over the last three or four years. And that was cool. My dad obliged. He, he, he thought it was an honor and it was very cool. And he kicked ass at it, by the way. I'll give my dad props. I'd be nervous as F to step up there. And we're radio guys, right? Right. But to go into a, a crowded room, a big wedding, too, and very nice wedding. He kicked ass at it. He shredded. He even made a comment. He pulled his phone out while he was, like, giving his introduction, and he pulled his phone out of his pocket and said, oh, yep, there you go. It is 5.09. The ball is tipped, ladies and gentlemen, right as Kansas. And he he was playing to the crowd because 70% of the people attending this wedding were either KU grads or gigantic Kansas fans. So they loved that. And, yeah, we had cocktail hour because the ceremony was 20 minutes or so. And when, when I got up there and started checking into the game, I'm like, wow, they're up by 15 already. And they were looking great. But to your point, you knew Villanova was going to make a run. And this was the Kansas that I w- did not expect when they cut it to six late. Villanova hits a couple of threes. And you're like, oh, no, a six-point game. Then they just started making winning plays. That three-pointer by Christian Brown where he's falling away on the wing. I wish I could have heard... You know, the, all of it, the audio and, you know, Jim Nance and Raftery and, and Grant Hill. What that? How good was that? Did that play out on TV? It was that pretty shot? good. I, I don't think it matches anything they did in the, the Duke-UNC game, though, especially when they were going back and forth making threes down the stretch when they when it was kind of coming down to crunch time after the last uh, TV timeout. Um, but, no, it was, it was a great moment. And Duke, or excuse me, Kansas kind of did what – we expected them to do in this game. Like we thought they could overmatch them in the guard area, which they did. That's why they got out to that 10, nothing lead right away. And they just ran with it. Ochai Abaji uh, and the rest of the guards were making threes like crazy. Villanova at a point just couldn't keep up because really with guard play, they didn't have a whole lot that could match up, especially with ball handling. I mean, outside of Gillespie, you're, you're relying on the young Archie Diacono to come off the bench or (laughs) Brian Antoine. Like these guys that barely play any minutes, they're not a very deep team. And when you take the second best score off the team, they're going to struggle to score. Is there another Gillespie or is there another DiVincenzo that's coming down the pipeline? And you know, the, I think there's one of them. I, I don't Are know. Are you which, serious? I, I thought there was a, oh, let me look. I thought there was a DiVincenzo, <laughs> no, but I we'll, could we'll, be we'll wrong. Get, we'll get to the bottom of that. It's it's just too bad that the second Archer Diacono is not like the second Bosa, right? Where 
you know, that, ne- that next one's almost as good, if not better than the first one. He's just, he's not the same player. And that, uh, I, I know how that must feel being a little brother like that, but that, that can be tough when Ryan Archer Diakono was as Villanova basketball as he was, but Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to set the table here for the national championship. The final four was pretty incredible with the power players that were here. And my goodness, oh my God, it's a Kansas and Carolina national championship. It's episode 68, not quite the Gronk episode, (laughs) episode 68 of Mad About Hoops. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 Set it in, Jerome! Yes, it is. And we are at the very end. I cannot believe it. There's one more game to go. And you guys have today to crush this podcast as we've got a Kansas versus North Carolina national championship game. Evil. uh, We were just talking in the intro about uh, really more of the Kansas Villanova game than the Duke UNC game. But my goodness, what a headliner, right? When we go back to Saturday to, to see the Jayhawks punch their ticket, get into the national championship game. Now you've got the Roy Williams title that America needed to see. And only a year late. If Roy has a heart, if the man has a heart, he'll be pulling for the Jayhawks to get it done. Because what I hate about this situation is that bastard won three national championships at North Carolina. He was great at KU did everything except win the title And Kansas in their entire history of playing only has three national championships. He got that alone at North Carolina. And if you don't have Mario Chalmers hitting a shot, you're only at two. God, don't remind me. (laughs) Don't remind me. No, it was, it was a great game. And honestly, what I saw from KU in this tournament is something we haven't seen quite honestly from them in a lot of previous tournaments, which is they didn't really have that letdown that cost them. Like they've kind of just been consistent throughout. And even at that, they've been consistent when their best player wasn't at his top, which was really impressive to me where you didn't have Ochai Abaji scoring 15, 17 points. He was getting, I think there was a game where he had a single digits, but he was more, more in like the 10, 12 range. But it was the core as a whole with Remy Martin coming on, scoring. My goodness, some of those games, he just went absolutely off. I think he went off in that Miami game, if I remember correctly. Uh, David You're McCormick. Right. David McCormick's really stepped up in this tournament. He was a guy averaging less than 10 points a game. He just went off against Villanova, and they really needed him down in the post, and he did that. Uh, Christian Brown's had his moments. Just, I think the depth of this team is really what stood out to me, and that's why I said in the opening that they overpowered Villanova because Villanova couldn't match that. Yeah, Abaji, it was the Providence game that you're remembering where he only had five points and he was ice cold and he picked it up. You know, the, he was great against he was he was great against Miami. And then you saw what he did against Minnesota and his field goal percentage took a, a gigantic jump and he was knocking down his threes and he was setting guys up. So he's he's played the way that you need your best player to play in the last two games to feel good about that going into the national championship game. But if uh, if we look at that other game, and to, to you, 
did did you enjoy the build up to this game or did you enjoy the actual game itself more? Cuz we only get 2 hours of the ball game and there's so much pressure to live up to that kind of hype, but it did. I mean it it, it absolutely did. It was a home run kind of game when you look at Duke UNC. I enjoyed the build up of the two teams playing each other in the final four. It was it, they haven't met in a tournament before. That's a great story. I have as weeks gone on and maybe even months at this rate, but just the retirement tour has just kind of weighed on me with how hyper-focused it's been for weeks. And I mean, to the point where they're showing Kay and Mickey, every time they walk into the arena, they're holding hands. And it's like, it's a ceremony for everything. I, I get it. It's great for them. I'm I'm happy for them. They got to experience it the way they did. But at the same time, it just kind of felt like they were forcing it to you. Like at one point, you almost felt like you were pulling for UNC because you wanted to see the madness stop. Maybe, maybe your opinion on this has started to wear off onto me, but I'm I'm with you in that regard now. And I'd like to think if you or I were in that kind of position, we would just let it be. Roy didn't do this, did he? Roy just retired. Roy retired on April Fool's Day. <laughs> did he really? Yes, he did. Last April first year, April last year. Fools? Yes, he did. It's not a joke, guys. I remember F it. I'm done. I remember it vividly. And I'm done. It, it was and every year in this business, it's always a tough day because you're always trying to decipher what's real and what's not. But that was quite ultimately the toughest one in as many years as I've been doing yeah. this. Well, whatever it was, and you know, I I'll take your word as gospel. I don't remember it. And there you go. You know? I remember his career and what a legend coaching the game Roy is. I'm with you. It's just too much for anybody that has to do this. Just play until you're done. Coach until you're done. Have the ceremony. You and can some, even have some a week build-up to your press even, conference, Some you know? of it's out of his hand, like the, Nike putting out the, the shirt with just the K on it, and that was kind of their tournament shirt. Ironically enough, they released that before the Final Four game where they end up losing. Well, that's just, not out of Kay's hand because he had a victory tour for the whole final season. That, that's true. You too. know? That's true, too. So we knew that that was going to be his last game, so they're going to make a big deal out of it. And you get the crazy ticket sales for the last game at the Dean Dome. Or, sorry, not the Dean Dome. They didn't like how he wasn't honored enough at the another, Dean Dome, and that thing, led to some handshakes. Another, another thing that completely annoyed me, and I'm sure that more behind the scenes. I'm sure that happened in other places where they might not have honored him like that. It's like, not, it's not about a lack of respect, right? He's a, what do you, what do you think our opinions like, do you are wanna, on coach like, do you K want, like a Derek Jeter style, like get, get a gift every location you go to type thing. Like, I, I don't know what you're looking for. A Minka Kelly gift basket. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> coach K receives one. Just eh, put it, put it in my limousine, you know, just <laughs> leave it, leave it in the back there. But the game itself, I just, I, I had an inkling that Carolina was going to get him. I I just sort of naturally swing the opposite way when there is a major storyline for a coach or a player that we have made, as you said, too big of a deal out of, or if it's gotten exhausting, I just felt the rivalry was a big part of this. Coach K even tried to downplay that going into the game, which I don't think is totally necessary and I would think that K of all guys would understand that we we all know it's a final four and that is a big deal but it was that's why this was a thing right because it was double a big deal you have one of the greatest rivalries in the history of sports and it's on one of the grandest stages in all of sports so it's twice as big just felt like with the way Carolina was playing 
They had a good enough team that was capable of doing it. For one, you can't win these games if you don't have the horses, and they do. And I just thought that they had the emotion and the spirit that was going to be able to back them with this unbelievable opportunity. If you don't know that it's going to be that man's last game ever, that takes a whole lot off of this, a whole lot of the edge off of it. 100%. I, I completely co-signed that. That was a big factor in all this. Uh, in terms of how the game played out, I think this is just a general thing we're seeing in college basketball, and it's it's off topic, but it's why I get frustrated when people get upset at Ohio State for not having a, quote, dominant big man. How does a dominant big man work for you in this age and day of basketball? Look at what the Big Ten's been doing. I don't think it's turned out very well for them. Yeah, it's they've guards. been the league of big men. It's guards that win you in March. It's guards that take you to the next level, and you're seeing it. I, I get it. Um, Armando Baycott's a really good player. 20-plus rebounds. His rebounding is sensational. insane. But they're not where they are right now if they don't have Caleb Love and they don't have R.J. Davis. Well, and, and also look at the way Baycott affects the game. He doesn't have to score boatloads of points. He hits the glass. Exactly. That's what you want a dominant big guy to do more so than just getting buckets down there. Just attack the glass like you're doing, and that's going to help us win. And he's, that's how he, Baylor yeah, did it last year because you think of Flo Thamba and Jonathan Chamochachua. They weren't <laughs> yeah. really dominant scoring big men, but they were guys that were physical, played down in the post, and got those opportunities for the, their guards to make plays. Yeah, but you said it with what they're getting out of Caleb Love. He has become such a star. Leaky Black, by the way, is an incredible player. He played 40 minutes along with Love. They don't have the depth. I get it. So they're kind of similar to the Jayhawks here. Their front court. You know? their, their front court is very tough. I mean, I, I love Cam Johnson's brother, Puff, but he, he's not on the same level as those front two guys between Manic and Baycott. It's just, it's a complete drop-off. Right. I mean, when you look at what they got from their starting five, I mean, R.J. Davis is is playing really good basketball right now. Caleb Love will take a lot of shots, but when he's making a lot of shots, that's going to be the difference, and that, of course, will be a storyline against Kansas, but... I mean, just incredible, right? For North Carolina to to beat them two times in a row. Last game, Cameron Indoor, and now the last game ever. I don't know if I could do it. I, I Honestly, I don't know if I could do it if I was Krzyzewski. Leave on this? I mean, eh, tears of joy or tears of sorrow. You know, ah, I can't. I couldn't do that. I'd have to come back one more time, John. Uh, John? Just, just wait a little bit, you know, one one more year at least. But then we're just going to continue to have a <laughs> retirement a tour every year. And then you're deciding what qualifies as a one you can end on type of thing. Oh, my goodness. Well, we uh, – and I'm, and I'm saying, oh, my goodness, too much. That's happening right now because of this game. This is the Final Four and all the Blue Bloods, and I'm wearing a Kansas shirt for this pod. You're wearing a Carolina shirt for this pod. <laughs> what a bad friend you are. You don't even like them. You just visited them. I was going to wear a Duke shirt if they won too. I mean, it wasn't going to stop it. Where's your Butler shirt for God's sake? That's for the next day. I got I got to <laughs> celebrate the winner of the final four game today and then I'll celebrate the Butler one for weeks to come. Well, we are going to we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll keep setting the table for the national championship game. Maybe some of that magic that uh, you're talking about visiting schools. Where could you visit next year so we could get them to the final four cuz you went two for uh, you went two for two. Yeah, for, I got half of it. Yeah, two for two campuses that you visited and took the tour of. Oh, you did visit USC and uh, they did make the tournament, had a nice run, but you got two Final Four teams. They lost Where to a team go? who went to the Elite Eight. That's I mean, true. There, there yeah, they did lose to UCLA. So you even seeing the Bruins this year, some good luck rubbed off onto well, them. Well, they lost to Miami too. That's in the first round. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the Miami Hurricanes. 
So we'll uh, we'll definitely get some thoughts in about Thad Mata returning to Butler and how crazy this coaching carousel has been in this cycle and more on this wild and wonderful matchup in the national championship between two of the powerhouses of the sport. It's mad about hoops. All right. Episode 68. Mad about hoops. It's the national championship game. Kansas and Carolina. We got the shirts here going on. So, Have we made a big enough deal out of how big of a deal Duke and Carolina matching up in the final four was? Have we, have we recognized the magnitude of that? I think everybody has colliding. Yeah, no, I think everybody has. It's It's big. It's as big as you think it is. It's as big as it could possibly get though. But then, you know, we, yeah, as you know, we work at the radio station, 97.1, the fam, and we run these fan poll questions. Feels like a, a shark fan poll question. <laughs> I think he's the one that's doing them now. Our producer from Morning Juice. Right. Earliest guy in the, in the morning. And no, 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 no. Wait, wait. This is a hey, guys. This is a Bishop and Laurinaitis one. Bo wanted to know this. So this is coming from Bo. Okay. This is Bo Bishop from his show. Has Duke fan had the worst month ever sports-wise? Yes or simple no. 62% replied yes. Duke fans, not Coach K. That, I think, is what we could discuss there. Yeah, it sucks to lose your last two in one of the great rivalries in all of sports. We put our Ohio State-Michigan hats on. We think of what that what that would be like if we were to meet in a college football playoff. That would be, they talk about the ultimate trump card. Duke and Carolina can meet again in an NCAA tournament. Like, we'd never had it before. It could happen again. In a way, are we making the Coach K ending a bit too big of a deal? Like, Duke fans will just want to kill themselves for the rest of their lives. It definitely definitely has a bigger impact in the minds of fans. It has a huge recency bias to it, whether it's correct or not. I mean, it's fresh. It's it's fresh in everybody's minds. We do that. It's sitting there, and... I think a lot of it is you can't think of anything else that compares. Maybe off the top of your head. Yeah, but worst ever. Worst sports month ever. What about every single year that Buffalo Bills fans (laughs) had to go through when they made it to the Super Bowl and kept losing four straight years? Where, where you're in a game, right? So I guess you're saying four straight Februarys or whatever? I, I, I mean, I don't... Yeah, four straight Febs. I mean, they made an ESPN docu- documentary about, I forget what the name was, but it's something similar to the to what you just blurted out. But my goodness. And that's a game where you almost acknowledge, and I think Bengals fans acknowledge it too. Don't know if you'll get back. Like to hope we will. Right. But you can never say that's a, that's a done deal. They made it four straight years and couldn't seal the deal. They've never won a Super Bowl. I mean, Duke fans have so much to live off of. You've likely just chosen Duke to be a fan of that program, right? I mean, just pick any of the five national titles you want to hug at night. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> what's Ultimately, what's so bad about it? Sure, this sucks right now. Last two games against Carolina, one, the last one at Cameron. Yep, can't change that now. And then in the Final Four, you made it to a Final Four. That's a certain benchmark. I mean, that's a... 
that is a serious check in the box for any coach, right? I mean, you're looking to get to the final four once if you're a certain type of coach. Coach K just broke the record with this last one. He went ahead of John Wooden, and Wooden, as Bobby Knight will tell you, was cheating his ass off left and right, and it was just a different game. And he just had a stranglehold on the game, and it wasn't ever a 64-team tournament. So it's totally different. It's almost how we look at Bill Russell and his million championships <laughs> when there was only, what, a handful of teams in the league? Back in the NBA, yeah. What Coach K and Duke have done with five tournament titles when it's all been a 64-team field, that's just untouchable. So I, I think we do make maybe a bit too big of a deal out of it while recognizing it's still a major deal that this happened. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's too fresh and I can't think of like us. I can't single out like a specific month for a specific team or program across any sport where I would say in that year of that month, they had it worse than anybody else Man. ever before. I, I, I just don't know if I can think of an example. Boy, you know, you know what I was thinking about too, is we did have a podcast earlier this year. We talked about Hubert Davis and, being in the middle of year one and it wasn't going so well in the magnitude. I mean, you had, you had plenty of UNC fans saying, "Is this, could this be a one and done type yeah. of scenario? <laughs> I know, I know. And it, it's knee jerky, right? And you talk about, you talk about recency and right. not being able to take yourself out of the moment as a sports fan, but it really is crazy. What, what we have here, how Roy Williams wins three national titles for that school, everything that he's done, a Naismith hall of famer, he steps away Coach K, he's stepping away. He's one of the greatest coaches all encompassing in the history of sports with his accomplishments and his success. And now here we are, Hubert Davis, a former player, John Shire, a former player. Hubert certainly has him in age, and they're going to carry us through. What are you most excited about with these guys? I mean, we've had plenty here with the rivalry with UNC not appreciating K enough in that last game of the Dean Dome, whatever. But we've got some juice here going forward. Yeah, a lot of juice and a lot of, I mean, even just outside of the case stuff, even more new faces because we just got before this part part of the podcast, we found out that Nolan Smith's going to take a job on the Louisville staff. So he's staying in conference at another pretty high competitor. So now you've got John Shire and a bunch of, you don't know it at this point because it's going to be a heavy freshman class. It's going to be a very young team he's going to have next year. I think the, the team's really going to center around in terms of Older players, probably Jeremy Roach. Like, it's just, it's going to look really different. And then you've got a, a p- potential scenario with UNC with the rules flip where they are the team with a lot of f- uh, familiar faces. They could have Baycott back. Depending on what draft or draft, uh, pre draft process looks like, you could have RJ Davis and Caleb Love back, depending on how that goes mm. for them. I think he, he's starting to fly up the boards, Love, but Love, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. It, it honestly, it could kind of switch here if Duke's not careful and if Shire doesn't come out swinging right, right away. You mentioned Nolan Smith leaving. He was one of the snuppers. You mentioned his name, and he was a great player. He was, you know, better, you know, high end player than John Shire. Shire maybe had him in that consistency, but when Nolan got up to his peak at Duke, I believe he was, he might have taken one of those National Player of the Year awards. He was at least up there, like in the final three in uh, his best season. And part of that team with Shire that won the national championship in 2010. We can make up all sorts of stories about that, right? <laughs> but as you as you pointed out, Nolan's dad played at Louisville. And you and I were looking up. You want a crazy story and kind of a sad one, too. Look up the situation with Nolan Smith's father, who was coaching with the Bullets at the time. He died young, and so 
Yeah, I'm sure. And, and Nolan Smith always wore that on his sleeve, and he was always thinking of his father. His middle name is Derek after his dad. So it could be more. It could just be that. But I don't know, man. It's People are human, too, you know? And maybe they would never admit this because they're friends. But when you get passed up, when a guy you played with gets the head coaching gig and you're second in command or you're just there on the bench as an assistant coach, I'm sure there's feelings. It's the Duke head basketball job, right? Whoever was going to get that, there was going to be some hurt feelings and some do- and some talk, right? Oh, especially between those two. I, uh, I, uh, it's also speculation. I don't know anything. I wonder if maybe Emil Jefferson was going to get a position higher than him. Maybe he got, maybe he was going to get like associate head coach or something like that. You never know in those scenarios what can kind of force a guy out the door. Maybe he just loved the opportunity to go back to Louisville and coach where his dad played. Pain. Maybe that connection. Yeah, the, the, we don't know. That's the point. But there's there's tons of different scenarios. But I do think we might see a maybe a result of Nolan Smith leaving, but I do think Emil Jefferson's going to probably be his right man, right-hand man. How, how much on the championship game, how much does Kansas need this over Carolina? Oh, I think it's massive. And I, I honestly don't even think it's just because of, and I know which road you're going down with, with the Roy Williams part. I don't even think it's that. I think it's what's coming forward for Kansas because this is a program quite honestly with the, a, the Adidas thing coming down, they could likely get a postseason ban next year if this comes down in the offseason. Like that, this is what I've been hearing a lot of these journalists talk about at CBS Sports and you fill in the blank of the outlets. Enjoy this process because we're still waiting on the outcome of what that Adidas, trial, Adidas uh, investigation is going to be. And there's a chance that Self gets hit with a pretty hefty suspension and they could get a postseason ban. Yeah, and who the heck knows what they're going to try to take away too as far as which years of your... Big 12 Conference Championships. We know this doesn't seem to go back to 2008, so that's a good thing. No, I think and that's Kansas, Kansas isn't winning any national championships, so you don't have to worry about taking any banners down for national titles. That's Exhibit A. That's part of the problem is that they're not winning national championships. Roy won three of those bad boys at Carolina. That's as many as we said as Kansas has in history, and Bill Self acknowledges that. And that's refreshing to hear, I guess, that Bill says we've kind of underachieved in that regard. They just, and and teams, we recognize that it's hard and there's some randomness to the NCAA tournament. But Kansas basketball has had that allure and has had that esteem since the beginning of time in the sport. Their guy invented the game. Yeah. And then... I think they're still on head coach seven or head coach eight in the history of the program. A lot of big time schools are up in the twenties, thirties, maybe forties, even with head coaches that they've had that, that in itself is remarkable when you take a look at Kansas basketball history, but to be where they are and to get all the one seeds and have all the juggernaut teams, I'm asking for at least five, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, it should be double. You should be up at eight, nine, ten. I get it's hard. You don't have to be at the top of the mountain. But it's, when we're debating things as sports fans and as basketball fans, this is all ammunition. It is all ammunition. So Carolina has a wonderful opportunity to widen the gap. And they're doing this seemingly coming out of nowhere, even though they're North freaking Carolina. 
It's so funny you say that because I've been hearing people say that, oh, well, they were in eight seed. They weren't supposed to be here. And the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to look at the analytics. Do you know where Ken Palm has North Carolina heading into this? Oh, boy. That's that's good. Like, I would assume I, I've heard people 10. say, like, I was hearing people saying they weren't going to make the tournament. I remember that. We were there. Yes, and I'm, we didn't buy that because no, no. win-loss-wise and the ACC, the metrics weren't all there, but it's still the ACC. And we, we've done this, like the Big Ten versus the ACC, and we're – we're seeing three of their schools were in the Elite Eight, not one for the Big Ten was. We, we're getting to a point now where you have to stop and notice that and ask the Big Ten for more production when it counts here in March in the random tournament. I know where upsets can happen, all that stuff, but everybody's playing in the NCAA tournament together. So you've got to flex and you've got to show what you can do. Top 10, UNC in the Ken Palm? They were 16th. 16th. Yes. So, going into I mean, tonight. So you're, you're talking about a four seed based off of metrics wise. I mean, that, that tells you that they were playing above their seed line. They were underseeded, then showed it when they took out a one seed, a four seed, and then eventually took over the 15 that was beating everybody in this path. Uh, but no, this is this goes back to the point I made in the first session of this podcast, man. Guard play, guard play, guard play. Look at both of these teams. Christian Brown, Ochai Agbaji, uh, I, I consider Jalen Wilson more of a guard slash forward. Yeah, just by the, G, just the way he plays. GF, right? Even Dewan yeah. Harris is a nice little player. Yeah. And then you look at the other side, you talk about, obviously, with UNC, you've got R.J. Davis, uh, Caleb Love, Leaky Black. Like, what a defender he is, he's right? A, he's a very a good defender. defender. And you can put him, and I, I expect him to play on Ochai Agbaji during the national championship game. But it's... That is the essence of what gives you these six-game runs. Is do you have guards that can score, take over games, and dictate the play style that you want to play? I felt that Carolina was going to get this done a second time against Duke. I felt that they're going to do what I don't want to happen and beat <laughs> Kansas and win another national championship. And they've got the they've got the two bigs, you know. They've got the two bigs with Manic who can That's stretch the thing, it out is a little they, bit. Uh, with Baycott, Baycott, they have someone that can play up against McCormick, and I don't think that's something that we've seen throughout this tournament him. yet. Uh, yeah, McCormick McCormick hasn't really had a stiff test in terms of the, the post play, even though uh, Dixon for Villanova's decent, but they, they couldn't handle what he was bringing to the table. I think he scored like 23 points or something like that. Uh, yes, Baycott, uh, Manic, not as much. He's not a very big defensive guy, but I think with Baycott down there in the post, he's going to really challenge him for that. We've seen McCormick struggle a lot, even this season. And yeah. it's it's just as he's been hot, you feel like someone's due for a clunker, and you could point the finger at McCormick and wonder about that guy. All the while, well, Ochai has been you, good in the last you, two games. He needs to keep it going clearly for them to win. Yeah, you saw it. I, I, I mean, Remy Martin had an okay game, but he wasn't doing what he was doing earlier in the tournament, which was taking over games with his offensive style. Um, but he, he's a volume guy. If it's not falling, obviously he's not playing well. Uh, I, I think if Kansas wants to win this game in the national championship game, he, he's got to be active. He's got to be a very, very key part of their offense. Yeah, and, and you know what, too? A lot of this stuff you can throw out, the emotion that takes over – you know, the spirit, the intensity, the passion with with, with these fan bases that, that bleeds into the coaching staff and then to the players who are getting ready to go out on the biggest stage of their lives for every single one of these guys. These are This is Kansas and Carolina. They're great players. We mentioned the depth isn't the greatest for either of these teams right now, but they're starting five. They, they pretty much play the bulk of the game. It's good on good at this point. It's who's not going to get into foul trouble, right? It's which team is going to just heat up from beyond the three-point line early, earliest in the game? Is Caleb Love going to go cold in this one with how good he's been, with how important he is to 
UNC being able to spread their wings. All little things like this are going to matter. We're down to just one game now. I mean, you could you can make a case that you play play this game 10 times, it comes out 5 and 5. Right? No, with the way they play and the, the way that they rely on the three-point ball that just kind of equalizes the game in any aspect no matter what your playing style is. Yes, it it could equalize into a 5-5. Five, five. All right, so there's a couple of other things that I want to hit on with you before we wrap it here. So uh, this one, th- this will live for a little bit if uh, you're checking out this podcast later and it's it's two or three weeks after the national championship game and you're saying to yourself, why have I clicked to listen on a podcast that is getting the table set for Duke and Kansas on Monday, April 4th? Well, that well, tells you how outdated it was because it's yeah. actually UNC Kansas. What did I just say? You said Duke. Duke and Kansas? Yeah. 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 Thinking about uh, early <laughs> 90s right there. Could have happened. Yeah, dummy. You you even picked it. You had Carolina and Kansas. <laughs> I mean, picked it once the final four was set. Clearly, don't go listen to one of those podcasts from when the bracket was set because those <laughs> were really That's bad. Very bad. I told you about Purdue, did I not? Said don't pick them to go to the final four. I was I, I was on the bandwagon of Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16, so that obviously flamed out really poorly. <laughs> Um, that's just another example, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but just don't buy in all the way in on teams that are hot late because it's not always, it doesn't always play out. Like, yes, they can be hot, but if they run to a team that's a mismatch nightmare, which was Texas with good defense, they didn't match up. Purdue didn't play the defense. But I had Purdue, out of that. Yeah, I had Purdue winning one game and, and falling out to uh, Virginia Tech. But yeah, it was that one. It was, I, I was off on Houston the entire year, and that turned out terribly. Uh, but, no, the Houston's going to be a really fun team next year if they get back Sasser and uh, Tremont Martin. Uh, and the, the thing about Houston, though, the thing about Houston is yeah. just when I was finally ready, and I think the whole college basketball watching world was saying, okay, can't keep picking against Houston, and then the very next game they play Villanova. And how the hell do you pick against Villanova? <laughs> and then, right when everyone was ready to agree, okay, we got to push Houston through. Jay Wright gets him. And it wasn't even a great game. The no, shooting was, no. was awful for both sides. And Nova just grinds you away. And if they have you within a possession or so in the final four minutes of the ball game, they usually win. Yeah, I... Man, that Houston team was so frustrating. Uh, Vill, <laughs> Villanova... The, the reason why Villanova, in my opinion, took them down or was the team that was able to is because they're an older team. They don't get out of their style of play. They will slow it down. They don't care what you try to do. And physicality is not going to fight back at them. They'll fight back against your physicality. I think that's one thing that teams like Arizona did not do very well is they did not handle the physicality. The thing with the coaches though, as we were just talking about Purdue, so we'll stay in the state of Indiana. How about the fact that the old Ohio state basketball coach, Thad Mata, is going back to where it began, Butler, where he only did two years there, right? At Butler as the head coach. Both tournaments, I mean, yes. both both seasons, he made the NCAA tournament, won 20-plus games. Not going to have Brad Stevens on this bench this time. No, no, Brad <laughs> Stevens is not there. But, hey, this is very interesting for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. There's no shortage of storylines with Thad Mata, Coming back, leaving his little gig with Mike Woodson at IU, where he was almost like a a special assistant, an ambassador, an associate athletic director, if you will. I was the head coach again for the Butler Bulldogs, where this does, with the way his career has gone, seems like this is it. This will be the last place. I would be shocked, even if he did well here. 
that he would use it as a stepping stone to go somewhere else because of at the point in his life where he is, daughter going to Butler, loves that place, I think loves the location, loves being in Indy. You got to be stoked about this being a Butler yeah, fan. It's so funny because I, I was calling for this last year and I was half serious about it because I didn't think there was a real possibility of it. Right. Then, we joked about this too. Like when Laval looked like it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. I was off the Laval wagon the second they hired him because I don't believe in hiring coaches that are below 500, but that's a different story. The point of the matter is, is that this is a, this is a great hire for the program. This is a, you're, you're bringing guy, you're bringing home the hometown guy. Like this is a guy that graduated from your university, played for you. Coached for you for a little bit, uh, lived in the area, bought a house after he left Ohio State, right in the area, right by campus. Uh, he had season tickets for the longest time. Like he was sitting right there in the lower section, right behind the benches. Like he's been a part of this program. No matter where he's gone, he's loved it that much. That's why I agree with you. I don't think he's going to take another big time job if he's offered it. If he does well at Butler, because I think he he wants to end his career, and I, I don't know how long he wants to go with that, but he, he wants to end it where he started it. All right, so I just looked up, and surprising to me, he was only there one season. I was about to say, one, I thought it was one. Not two, yeah. So it was it was one at Butler, three at Xavier, and then he pissed off all the Musketeer fans <laughs> and left and took the Ohio State gig. And that was the, the little three-pronged step up to uh, being the coach of the Buckeyes. He was 24-8. and eight. This was the 2000-2001 season. He was 11-3. and three. Do you know what conference they were in at that time? Were they in Horizon yet? It was before the Horizon. I wouldn't have gotten this. They were in the MCC, Midwestern Collegiate. You know what? I've. It's funny you mentioned that because I should have remembered that because I looked up some of uh, Barry Collier, who's the AD at Butler, his his background, and he actually he coached Butler before right. uh, Thad took over. Um, I think it was. And then did Lick, did Lick Lighter come? I after think Lick Lighter Thad? was after. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes, no. Collier was originally the head coach. Then he took a, a role in in the department. And now he's the AD. Uh, but yes, I should have known that. You I don't know, know why I forgot and, that. And I don't. And, and we didn't get a chance to research a ton of this in the Butler teams at that time. I don't know what their '99 2000 squad looked like that led into that, or if that was Thad really showing what made him special as a head coach I mean, and Collier, how quickly Collier he could had some good teams. Pro- Collier had some good years. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'm sure he didn't leave the cover bare by any Right, means. but either way, whether it's full, whether it's a little bit bare, he he gets in there, he pushes some buttons, he works his magic, he's 24-8, and 11-3, wins the regular season championship, wins the conference tournament championship, all in year one. Chris Holtman here at Ohio State is a really good coach. He's still trying to win one of either of those. In a decade or so, as a head coach across Gardner-Webb, Butler, and Ohio State, trying to win one of those. Thad won two in his first season as a head coach at Butler and went to the round of 32, and he advanced. So I know the health is a thing, and haven't been real close to Thad uh, for the last few years since he left Ohio State, but he looked in good shape. At the end yeah. of the game, he looked really good in, in, in shape. I, I, He looked different. But it's not coach, It's not being an active head coach, too. There's that. Like oh, you gotta, you gotta recognize that. I'm just saying. I don't know. We could text people that are closer to Thad, and and get more about this for the next podcast. But what's that health going to be like? I believe when he fills out his staff, right? He's well, going to be looking for really funny. important assistant coaches because I think this is a situation, man, where he would sell this to the assistants as I'm not going to be doing this for that long. You know, we'll see how this goes. But I need 
assistants who are interested and willing to be heavy lifters for this. Make this your own because if you excel, I would like to pass this off to you to be the next head coach after me once we get Butler basketball back to what it's supposed to be, what it can be. And he gets it now that it's in the Big East. It just it's yeah. it's different. It's layered differently. It's a different gig than when he was there the first time around, which makes this again, you know, reason four and five. While it's just all the more interesting because it is Thad Mata, it'll be about the assistance he bringing brings in. It's in the Big East. It's so funny you mentioned the, the assistance because this is we're recording this on Monday. I just want to get this out to before. If you listen to this and this guy isn't an assistant coach at that point, don't blame me for it. I just got it from a report from the Butler Collegian, uh, the student newspaper over there, at Butler. But they believe. That Mata's going after Dane Five. Dane Five. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The most recent Indiana assistant. Yeah. Um, who was just let go by Mike Woodson. That's a good name. That's a good name. That would be a good get for for Thad, and you know, that could be a name that you consider passing the program off to if he were to take that gig, and you look seven eight years down the road, however long it is, and you talk about the aspect of people here in Columbus, right? Clearly, I don't know if it's going to change minds or change opinions over what Ohio State basketball was his last few years. The decision was made. People, you know, you'd, you'd think you need to stand behind it, but that wouldn't make it any easier if Thad hit the ground running and showed some instant or close to instant success at Butler. You're not in the same conference, but still, we have our own ways of how we measure success, and that's finishing high up in the Big East standings. If he wins a Big East regular season or tournament championship there before Chris Holtman gets one or has a deeper run, if he makes it to a sweet or an elite eight within the first couple of years, that would really do some things and would create certain types of feelings. Not only that, but the, uh, just think in the case, he's been at Ohio State where he has all the resources in front of him. He's got a budget like no other. The, like, very few programs can match their type of budget. He's now going into a program like Butler that's the lowest budget in the Big East by a pretty large margin. Like they don't they don't shell out a lot of resources because they just can't really afford to. Do you think if, he's getting them to change that? I though, think I think by he, taking I the think, head coaching yeah, position. Yeah, I think he might be able to a little bit, but it's not it's not gonna be anything drastic. They just don't have the the base to be able to do that, unfortunately. But if you can win with those circumstances and you can do it right away. That has a pretty big uh, indictment on how good of a coach you are. Yeah, I know Brad Stevens didn't go to school there, but couldn't he just start shoveling gobs of cash over to Butler basketball to help them get back into their winning ways? He's got I don't a pretty know if he, good gig. I don't know if he has, but he's I mean, doing well up in Boston. He's making some money. Come on, Brad. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he has or has not yet, but uh, you know, we had. To, I had to reach out. Either way, though, just exciting news. Where are we? What year is it? Thad's at Butler. Sean Miller's at Xavier. Yeah. Is Bobby Knight going back to Indiana? I mean, is Coach K going to pop up at Army? What's happening here? Rick Pitino back to Louisville? Patrick Ewing still has his job. <laughs> Patrick Ewing is still still at Georgetown. Yeah, that's. Uh, we're wondering when that is going to end. JT3, is he going to go back to Georgetown oh, when, when uh, Patrick gets fired? I don't even know what he's up to. I don't either. Jeez, there's a name we haven't uh, stumbled onto for quite a long while. But, yeah, coaching coaching decisions. We'll have a lot of this going on as we get into the first month of the offseason, too. Buckeyes getting Tanner Holden, by the way, in the yeah, transfer portal market. That was very important. Um, Didn't he drop close to 40? In that one NCAA tournament I game? I think it was 37-8 and eight versus Bryant. In the Peter Kiss game. Yes. Yeah. So he was the guy, not Peter Kiss. What's funny is I watched that game, and I watched some of the tape from it, and the first thought I w- was, 
Okay, he's not really a guy that's going to beat you off the dribble a whole lot. He's probably more of a slasher scorer type where he can kind of come off a curl and hit, hit I mean, beautiful mid-range shot. I, every one he took, it seemed like he made it. Then I started to watch more games. I saw they played, like, Marshall during the season, and there was a couple home games that were on, like, weird cameras. And the more I watched it, the more like, he's got the capability to take guys out the dribble. I mean, he's, he's a 6'6 guard, but it seems like he's got a... a a complete game outside of he doesn't shoot as many threes as maybe you want to see out of a two guard. And maybe that just increases when he gets a bigger role here at Ohio state. Yeah. But he's got a pretty nice little package, uh, set to him. He's a confident player. And we were looking for guys that have, if, if we're going to get a mid major guy, we both talked about this. We wanted to see it. We wanted to see more of an elite level. Well, that's mid-major funny player. because you say that, and now I've got my new dream candidate for that. And lay, it's, lay it down. It's Janai Broom from Moorhead State. He just entered the portal as of Monday. He's a 16-point-per-game guy. Uh, he's a very athletic guard in the post, and he's a huge rebounder. I would. This is relevant to tonight's game, the national championship game, but don't take it fully face value, but I think he's a light version of what Armando Baycott is at the major level. Gotcha. So he's, he gotcha. plays that type of style. He's going to get a ton of rebounds, and he's right. a very reliable scorer. I know one of the hotter names is that Utah Valley player, Fardaz, who yes. scores about 22 a game and 14 rebounds per game. Much smaller level, but big-time production. We've seen Tanner Holden for Wright State do it against some pretty good competition, and he's a veteran. Look, he's been around the block and he can score with you the best two, of them, and he's got two years size. Out of them, so you, yeah, you got multiple years. Yeah, multiple years. He's got some size. He he seems to, again, you know, wouldn't say it's cocky, but just watching him at the podium and you know what he thought Wright State could do, the confidence going into a sixteen versus a one matchup, it was there. You know, the that's what's cool about the sixteens getting that play in game is that one of them gets to taste victory and gain a little bit of that edge, even though it's not always going to, or always or never going to be fulfilled. They at least get to have that mindset and you get to see that. So that's an interesting get. It's a good start for Chris Holtman. It's very good, it, but there needs more work needs to be done to fill out the roster. All right, buddy. Well, I cannot believe it. The next one of these that we do it's off season time, we're in the off season. <laughs> good. God. And I mean, what there's over 1200 kids in the portal. So we're going to have 12,000 or 1200 notifications on players and where they land. That's uh, that's gonna be fun. You know, but uh, we talked about this. I was in Kansas City for the Final Four, and it's, it's a great town to be in for watching college basketball, and especially, especially when the teams, yeah, yeah spe- a local teams there, yeah. Especially when KU is is playing in the Final Four, and I was in downtown by the Power and Light on Saturday when the Final Four was happening, and of course you got the College Basketball Hall of Fame, the Sprint Center, now the T-Mobile Center is right there, a cool looking spot, and the College Basketball Experience, which is attached to the Hall of Fame, that's just a bunch of basketball activities a full court inside there for just shooting around and just it's just everything about it was brilliant and if i'm ever driving on i-70 going west of course i stop at the hoosier gym so right i was able to do all sorts of basketball things and got it all done and on our way back since my son had the hoosier gym on his mind i let him listen to some of our hoosiers podcasts that we did last <laughs> summer so it got me thinking if we're going to do one more movie one I know we talked about Blue Chips, which is the oh, quintessential yeah. college basketball movie where Nick Nolte is, he's, he's a spoof Bobby Knight. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's who he is. They even get Bobby to, uh, to do the movie there, too, and have the Indiana Hoosiers with the actual names in there. So could be uh, some stuff like that in our future. But here we go, man. National championship game. It's been fun. It's been a fun it's been season. Fun. Enjoy it. It's been a, one of the most wild, wild seasons I can remember. But here's the thing. Remember for the game tonight. 
if North Carolina wins, the streak of teams that haven't won their conference tournament winning the national title continues. I think the last team that didn't win their net or did win the, their conference tournament and then won was the first Nova championship. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. All right, Evil. Enjoy the game. Enjoy it, Tim. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Mad About Hoops.